0: vmgm this is vagabond magazine i'm cd domiccio joined by my co-host this morning editor-in-chief of vagabond magazine riona morgan managing editor of vagabond magazine er donaldson our tech editor indifatigable got eve joining us we've got quanta in the house we're gonna get her up on the stage and how is everybody this morning? It is Monday, September 25th, and it feels like a Monday to me. Riona, how are you?
1: I'm great. I'm great. I'm so excited to be here. I look forward to this space every week, and it's the most wonderful way to start start out. So hello, hello, everyone. It's so nice to see you, and I'm going to pop the mic over to Eric E.R. Donaldson
2: hey everyone great to be here I missed you guys the last couple weeks but uh feels really good to be back this definitely needs to be the uh a uh, a shining brightness in the day that is Monday over here for me so couldn't be uh couldn't be happier to be here how are you doing indefatigable
3: I am so good I'm so happy to be here with y'all I'm <laughs> I'm just, I'm looking forward honestly to everything we're gonna talk about today it's like I'm gonna learn stuff so yeah I'm I'm, I'm stoked
0: you know when indefatigable is saying i'm gonna learn stuff my ears like perk up because i learn stuff every time you talk man so it's pretty cool we do got some pretty cool interesting stories on the horizon uh i'm not sure quanta is going to come up and speak with us today but we hope she does and uh So, Rihanna, what do you got? You've got kind of a fun story, I think, to to sort of get us started this morning.
1: Yeah, I do. I was kind of zooming through Twitter or X this morning, kind of looking for something that would pop out at me that I want to talk about. And so, really, I ran across this ad um, for uh, ghostwriting. And I've never used a ghostwriter. I actually don't know how the whole process works. And... So I jumped in and I, I looked at it a little bit, and, and the the person who put the ad out, his name's James Thompson, and he said, "I'm an author and the nation's premier ghost writer." And I'm thinking, you know, I'm always thinking with the lens of Web three and, and Chat GPT, and I know that the capability of Chat GPT is just skyrocketing, and that there's always going to be new um, inroads and new, you know greatness coming from it and then I thought well what about a ghostwriter and how would that work and what does that look like and and what kind of interplay would there be and so it was just really I just had like this flash of thought and I thought I'm gonna bring this today and see what you all are thinking about and so Indie Fatigable and ER if you guys want to jump in what do you what what are your thoughts like your just initial oh this is an interesting premise and and tell me what tell me what you guys are thinking
2: i'll go first Andy, because by pure coincidence i've actually got a buddy that does this um shout out to hank if you catch this on the uh uh the replay buddy um he's a member of the vagabond server and we want him to be uh doing some more pieces for the magazine but yeah that's uh this is actually his day job is he he is on the ghostwriting scene um, haven't read any of his ghostwritten stuff, but one of the things that him and his primary client have looked at are ways to integrate some of the, uh, the AI text generation tools out there into the process. Um, this is because the market that they're in really thrives on a continuous churn of new content in order to uh, to keep up in the Kindle algorithms, et cetera. So last I checked, this hasn't seemed to be a viable alternative. He's not going in. And I mean, if if I if I understand it correctly, his books are between 100, 150K a month um, is what he churns out. And while I think that there is some AI assistance, he's not just putting a premise in there and saying, okay, ready, go. It's more that um if you have a rough sketch of a scene you can you can drop that in drop that in there to give you a starting point but right now um he's largely just using it as an assistant which is where i think the technology currently is but yeah i mean uh i also think it's kind of interesting and does speak to the human element when it comes to writing that ghostwriter the ghostwriter marketplace is still alive and well despite uh, text-based AI generation, um, re- you know, really coming into the forefront in recent months? I mean, what do you think, Andy?
3: I mean, first of all, it's super interesting,
2: and it overlaps with a lot of the
3: conversations we've had with about AI as a tool for writing. But uh, so, like, I work with a lot of writers who, are, who have really interesting life stories. So a woman from the Bronx who ended up starting her own hair salon and ended up being the stylist for wild famous actors, business people, and like now owns multiple salons. And um, she came to me and she was like, I want to write my story. And I was like, well, so just write your story. But it was like the hurdles to like get the language on paper for beginning writers who don't have a lot of experience is so high. The sentences don't quite come out the way they want. And so I recommended, I was like, let's work with Chat GPT together and just just tell it, tell your story like you would sell it tell it to a person. It doesn't it's okay if it doesn't sound, you know, like linguistically perfect and like whatever. So anyway, we we put out a book that was like the first version of that, and um it was a really cool experience essentially supporting. ChatGPT ghostwriting the book for the person but they still needed a guide to kind of how to navigate it so I, I agree with you um, Eric that uh, you know it, it, these tools do not take out the human element at all it's not like a drag and drop you know double click and it's done kind of scenario but um, more than one person I know I've I've guided them through uh, using ChatGPT as a tool for helping them ghostwrite their own work <laughs> if that makes sense.
0: That's pretty awesome, man. I mean, um, it's something I never actually considered. I mean, I know that the the query architects, um, things like that, but actually, that's like a viable career path. You know, a, a chat GPT coach or an AI coach to help someone, you know, to develop it. That's that's a really really cool use case for this. I I love that. Um, and I do love the fact that. It hasn't invalidated us you know that was the big fear at first was like oh my god man people are just gonna say like write a novel about riona and eric going to space and suddenly you know a bestseller would appear and it's it's so i mean i would love to read that novel but it's great that, that it, the technology still requires that guiding human hand um now i don't know if you guys saw this or not well first of all i don't know if you saw but dylan has joined us and founder of Page Dow, co-founder Page Dow. Uh, that wasn't what I was going to say, but Dylan, good morning to you. Also, um, ChatGPT just announced that they have vastly um, expanded what it's able to do. And it's it can now speak, it can listen, it can process images. Um, and this is like the most advanced version. It's the paid version or maybe the, the version they haven't released yet. So I haven't used it. But have you guys seen this article? Have you checked this out at all?
2: No, I missed it, but I can tell you, um, you know, if, if it's processing images right now, one of, the, one of the coolest features I love in mid-journey right now is its describe feature. Um, you know, and, that, and that's really the use of my, um, the extent of the use for AI for me is mid-journey. But I mean, when you think about that, uh, that that's going to change the games for a lot of things that if you need a caption on a photo, you know, we'll plug that photo in and it'll give you a starting point, you know, because like Andy said, sometimes just knowing where to start and then having something to riff, riff off of, you know, that that's half the freaking battle. Um, so I think that just in concept could be a real game changer.
1: I definitely agree. I, I really feel like it's a, a chat GPT Um, can be a a writing coach, uh, um, a muse, something um, that pops in with an idea or a plot point or something that hasn't been thought of by the writer themselves so that they can pick that up and then move forward with it, utilizing their own gift of inspiration and word choice and voice. So I just think that I I think that it's a great tool that we all need to learn um, how to incorporate into our own worlds.
2: Yeah, I,
0: I definitely agree with that. I just uh, I posted while you guys were talking. I posted a, a link to that. Um, I didn't get it up in the nest yet, but I'll, I'll get it up there soon. Dylan, how are you this morning, sir? What's
4: going on? Uh, GMCD. I'm doing good. I've been battling swarms of mosquitoes at the uh, at the local golf course due to uh, due to rain that we've been here. So it's been a bit of a struggle, but uh, you know, I, I was actually geeking out on that. Something like a shared workspace that multiple different AI models are actually using to kind of join forces, and if that's what's happening, then I, I think that I don't know that's that's potentially a, a big game changer for for all different sorts of uh, of, of kind of things that, that branch off of this.
0: Yeah, it's it's massive. I mean, um, so there's a couple of stories that hit my hit my radar this morning. The first was this one where you know Sam. Sam Altman was like, okay, chat GPT can now see, here, and speak. Um, which is like that phrase itself, it can see here and speak is just crazy. So it's gonna be rolled out, I guess, in about two weeks. Uh the other one is that Meta is actually like developing a variety of different chat bots, and these chat bots um are targeted and focused on different different users. So for example, Meta is like building chat bots that are focused on teens and um you know, younger users, which is really
2: of course they are. So that that could be kind of an interesting conversation. Is that is that a good thing that we're going to have vendors? Oh, it's almost certainly not a good thing. Well, I mean, there there was a thing. I don't hear about it as much anymore. But everybody, you know, for a while, I think I think it originated on the right was complaining about. Uh, artificial intelligence sources, you know, being left-leaning. So there, there was a brief endeavor there that it's like, no, we're going to create something that's a little more right-leaning. And it's like, okay, you know, that's that's exactly what we need to do is create a uh, a tool to enhance the power of our echo chambers. And for teens, wow, I guess I couldn't see how that would go wrong.
0: I mean, it's it's so scary. It is, like, such not a good thing. Um, so the, the oh, article yeah. that I saw... You know, uh, it
4: would be good if there was open source and you were making your own, right? Like, that would be good. But since somebody that's a third party is coming in and creating, basically, bots to manipulate the masses with, like, no, this is dubious. This is, <laughs> you know, not ideal.
0: Yeah, the article that I saw said that uh, they're basically finding a way to engage younger users with more colorful behavior, um, which I have no idea exactly what that means. But when, when Facebook starts targeting people, I don't know, I'm still traumatized from 2016, you know, and the, and the whole Facebook thing with that. So that makes me a little bit scared. Yeah, All
5: right, Cambridge Analytics joined us. Hey, I'm doing all right. I'm waking up with some coffee (laughs) because I'm I'm such a lazy late riser. (laughs) By by the way, speaking of uh, you, you guys are speaking of, uh, I believe, from what I heard just a second ago, about uh, large language models being able to, like, people being able to create their own. Is that right?
0: Yeah, that's Meta's announcement. They're doing something like that. they're basically like creating, like they, they've said they're going to create like Alvin the alien from Futurama so that he can interact with younger employees or a problematic chat pot. Chat
5: yeah, I saw, I saw, I saw one the last time I logged into uh, Night Cafe, which is what I use to create AI images for my poems. Um, they had added a feature there where you could create, you could create your own, uh, your, you train your own little, Little LLM. I haven't I haven't tried it, but uh, I don't think I'm going to. But apparently they've added that ability too. And there was another um, place that I'm drawing a blank on where that I read about in in uh, William uh, William Pister's, uh newsletter about that. There's a, there's a thing where uh, uh, it's targeted toward kids where you can you can have your own personal sort of not clone but your own LLM that's based that, that you trained on yourself and that's your little study buddy. Uh, I'll see if I can find that link to that.
2: I mean, this is kind of like one step removed from somebody getting really cute and uh, programming a Skynet protocol with an Austrian accent. Uh, you know, I just, I, you know, and that's what normally I'm all a fan of being open source, but this is kind of, uh, for those of you who don't know, I have a little bit of a medical background, but it's like when they start Started publishing uh, information about viral backbones and gate function research, and talking about how it's necessary to uh, <laughs> to enhance general knowledge and prepare for pandemics and vaccines. Yeah, we saw some of that in action, you know. But where could this go wrong? I mean, just a, a, it's starting to get making me a little bit nervous. I I will say though
3: that Dylan's point about um, open is way 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 less dystopian than in the hands of corporate megaliths um where you can't inspect what's happening under the scenes there's no third party monitoring it or anything you can't audit what's happening inside the bot so it's like wouldn't you love to buy this thing wouldn't you love to subscribe to this thing and your kids are getting programmed that's terrifying um the open model it says that there's competing things and that allows you know fair and just, uh, well-meaning at least uh, options to enter the market, not get closed out. So anyway, I think that's why I'm always fighting for the open models um, because it, it it keeps the big guys in check.
0: That's so important you know keeping the big guys in check and you know one of the things that really bothers me about chat gpt and open ai is the fact that even though it's their name they completely changed their business model since they became uh, you know such a big thing and chat gpt open ai's parent company is not an open company like they like to pretend like they are they like to front like they are but they're just as closed as facebook and and other things so if you think that ChatGPT and OpenAI are open, I know you guys don't, but I'm saying anybody out there, think again and look into it because they're not telling us everything. They're not sharing everything that they're doing. They're they're just as closed as everybody else. I think um, what is it? Stable Diffusion is open, right? Do you know
4: about that, Indy? Is that right? Yes, yes. Stable yes, Diffusion I believe is open. And then Facebook has, like, a really world-leading one called Llama that is also open. And Jan Lekun from Facebook actually is probably my favorite, like, major, like, AI voice these days, if anybody follows him at all.
2: So, yeah, and isn't, um, and, and I could be wrong on this, um, but I want to touch on the point. Yeah, you know, when when I talk about things being open, I guess, you know, Good point. Hadn't considered, you know, what the opportunity is, uh, the alternative is to the open source. So, you know, thanks for the the good points on that. Uh, But then back to stable diffusion, I I believe they've trained it differently since then. But wasn't stable diffusion actually one of the background technologies that created
3: MidJourney? I don't know. I don't want to claim i guess we can have like a live fact checker on the gmb <laughs> yeah. we need we need interns
2: well you know <laughs> all, all it will reveal is that i know exactly as much about the technology as i claim to know which is Zilch. so you know but yeah i mean you know and that's an interesting point too right it, you know with with your, your open source and making sure that uh you know the licensing and uh the fair and equitable distribution of resources after somebody takes you know a baseline and develops it you know what what, what kind of things does that look like so you know i'm all about problems today no solution and very little optimism so apologies guys that that took a dark turn <laughs>
4: oh, that's hey, I, um, it's it's good that, that that you bring this up, though, because there are solutions that are feasible here, and, and you're on a call with some people that are that are working towards them in various different theoretical and technical ways. So uh, you're in good company. Bring your questions; we love them. Well, you know uh,
0: what we say is that um, in in radio, anyway. The interns are called producers, essentially. So the producer is someone who does everything, gets none of the credit, and like makes everything work. So if you'd like to be a producer for VMGM, reach out to Riona, myself, ER, Indefatigable. Uh, just let us know, because we'd love to have a producer to fact check for us, to do all of that stuff. It would be awesome. So I think maybe it's time for us to move on from the AI topic, which is an amazing topic, but maybe we should talk about uh, something else. Did you guys see in the Vagabond Magazine Discord that picture of the crocheted car that Quanta posted? Oh my God. Did anybody see that?
3: Yes. And it was lovely and a thing of beauty. I, I was like, is this AI generated? That was my first question. And then I was like, you know, it's just incredible i'm a fan of crochet i wrote a song called help me knit the sweater because i'm bad at it and um but it's amazing what you can do with knots and loops like it's from a computational perspective let me geek out for a second crocheting is amazing uh
0: yeah anyway it's it's super cool that thing cracked me up man um Okay. So crocheting, I don't crochet myself, uh, but you know, I'm friends with some crocheters, but that car and that lady who crocheted the, basically the, the cozy for her car. Um, she deserves some love. Let's see if we can get her thrown up in the nest for people who are listening live on X. Um, which isn't the only place where this goes, by the way. If you'd like to listen to this, uh, you can listen to back back episodes. You can listen to future episodes on Apple Podcasts. You can also check us out on YouTube where E.R. Donaldson puts together a pretty cool montage to keep your eyes busy while your ears are listening. And this happens every Monday live here on X, but we also put it up on Apple Podcasts. We put it up on YouTube. And I should point out, too, that this isn't the only chance to check this stuff out. We also do the Web3 Writers Hour on Tuesdays, so if you want to check out the Web3 Writers Hour, you can check that out tomorrow, and also in the same spots as everything else. So, what else have you guys
4: seen this week in the
0: Web3 world that has caught your attention?
4: Man, I've been following some Cosmos stuff. Uh, there, there was a big uh, test of the the staked uh, or the liquid staking of the the Cosmos Hub blockchain uh, yesterday, if I recall correctly, and and it was a big success. Um, so it's cool to see uh, new ecosystems coming up, and making strides. Uh, that was a bad pun because Stride is the first liquid staking protocol on on the Cosmos ecosystem.
3: Dylan and I geek out about Cosmos all the time, and <laughs> we we uh, we're looking at ways to like bridge all the ecosystems. This is like our mighty overarching goal, uh, and so you know, there's a bunch of new things on the horizon that are making you know a polka dot asset as a retrievable as a near asset as a ethereum polygon optimism it's gonna the chain wars are gonna start to disappear in the next coming months it's gonna be like old hat to be like what
2: what chain is it on So, would you guys mind riffing on that a little bit? Because I I hear you talk about these things, and I'm impressed. But you know, as we we just established in the last segment, you know, uh, tech these days apparently isn't isn't my thing. So, you know, just give me a quick riff. Like, you know, how's that a development? What do what do you really see?
3: Well, I guess the fundamental thing is right. You you have sovereign blockchains, and you have your L2s, which are basically like optimistic rollups that put their like finality on a bigger, more secure L1 chain like Ethereum. So you have Arbitrum and Optimism and Polygon that use Ethereum as like the finality layer. Uh, What makes things complicated is when you want to bridge an asset. If I get a token on one blockchain, is that going to be a token on another blockchain? Like how do I move my stuff around and what does it mean um, to move assets around? And in the last... You know, two years, there's been something like 2 to $5 billion lost in hacks of bridges because bridges are weak. Um, it requires, tech in most cases, locking an asset on one chain and issuing the asset on another chain. There is, there is very little fluid interchain communication. The reason we are big fans of Cosmos is that it was built with interchain communication at its heart, a lot like the Polkadot ecosystem. And so it has an interchain messaging protocol that uh, allows messages and tokens and value to be sent back and forth across chains. And there are various models for shared security as well for that system. So it it decreases the amount of risk at bridges. So what we're seeing are these high-quality bridges across multiple chains. And the reason why people go across chains is because, like you've minted on Solana because you found some advantage there, either with a platform that was there or a user base or something like that. Um, and so th- that will probably liquidity,
4: exist.
3: Liquidity, exactly. You need the, to find the markets. Um, and when you can move assets seamlessly across, what it does is it, it takes our little silos, our little islands, and turns it into one big community. And that is is kind of like the the holy grail of this Web3 thing. Add a count abstraction to that, and now we're talking. Now we're cooking with gas. So it is. It's a weirdly awesome uh, set of developments that are really kind of weirdly technical, but basically involve building more integrated uh, possibilities for chains to connect.
5: Now, when, you, when you, if I could ask a question, if you are when you're talking about chains connecting, you know, like normal, n- normally on the bridges, it'll burn the NFT on one when you copy it to the other or when you move it to the other, in order to to maintain the provenance. So you say, oh, you know, there's only one of these NFTs in the world or two of them or whatever. Uh, Are you guys, are you thinking of doing it that way? Are you thinking of implementing something where you can have the same thing on multiple blockchains and yet still maintain the sovereignty? So you know that there's like 10 in the world, two of them are on Solana, three are on uh, Tezos, something like that. And that would allow, but you could get rid of the bridging altogether but it would also allow you to spread uh, your audience across any blockchain and it wouldn't matter.
3: Yes, we're not building these solutions. These are very complicated solutions. We will be integrating with the best of these as we watch them, but um, some use a burn mechanism, others use a lock mechanism. So basically your, your NFT goes into a contract, can't come back out unless certain conditions are met. So like, for example, I may move, my uh, asset to another chain, it gets put in the lock contract. But if I sell it um, to someone on Ethereum, then it will go back because it just comes out of the lock contract. Um, and that's how you preserve it. But uh, there are many different mechanisms and it's evolving so rapidly. Uh, yeah.
4: Yeah. Well, one of the big reasons to develop on Cosmos in the first place is that they have this protocol called IBC. Which is inter blockchain communication. And basically, it's a standard that allows for bridging between whatever chain you happen to be on. Uh, so it's a lot more like going from Optimism to Polygon than it would be to, to go from like Tezos to Solana, if that makes any sense. And, and so, pretty much, um, Polkadot has recently integrated IBC compatibility. So now, um, technically, it's possible to get from anywhere on Ethereum to anywhere on Cosmos to anywhere on Polkadot. So so it's uh, it's not me and Robbie building this, but we're watching with interest as, as very, very smart people do. I love hearing this. I mean, you know, blockchain is really
0: the backbone of Web3. It's not the only thing about Web3, but it is certainly one of the backbones, along with, you know, sort of the social media aspects, the the AI aspect has become really an important part of the Web3 ecosystem, but let's talk about the uh, social media aspects for a minute because I've got to bring out a gripe that I've, ha- I've got. These algorithms, my God, I hate them. They are just destroying everything that social media is supposed to be great for. Um, case in point, NFT God, who I invited to the space, um, but he probably won't look at my algorithm or look at my profile because he's like playing to the algorithm. He posted something today that said, um, I'll just read it. He said, this is going to annoy a lot of people, but I need to be honest. I evaluate every profile before I hit reply. The algorithm forces me to do this. You can get shadow banned for replying to the wrong profiles. So, this may be the reason why my personal profile, the G Monk CD profile, is uh, gets such bad engagement because of that. But man, I just refuse to play to the algorithms. What do you guys think about this? He's using something called poop, um, which is pretty funny. It's a profile ocular observation protocol, and he goes into a lot of detail how it works. and are, are you guys are you guys willing to play to the algorithm in order to get more likes? And how do you guys feel about? algorithmic social media. Does that is that a problem or is it something that we just got to like, you know, grit our teeth and deal with
2: it? So I mean, short, sure, no, but you can see how few followers I have and that's probably why. I mean, the the thing with the algorithm, I wish there were ways that you could shut off the algorithm so that it could, you know, honestly just feed you the content that you you like to see and I feel like some are better at this. I feel like, you know, ironically, My Instagram algorithm is a lot better than my Facebook algorithm. My X algorithm is just garbage, you know, but, you know, I think that there was a time where these algorithms were intentionally altered to create this pay to play environment because, uh, organizations were using them to, uh, communicate with their existing fan base. Now, if you want, if you want to use the algorithm to enhance your discoverability, then that's, that's a choice. Um, what I would just like is the ability to communicate directly with those that are already following me.
5: Yeah. I've been, I've been pretty much on, <laughs> my, yeah, on my own side. I've been pretty much just basically doing the same thing that, that, that the, the NFT God guy is doing Cause I didn't know about poop. <laughs> I've just been doing, I've just been doing it manually. So if I, if I see something that's interesting, um, I always like look at the, I just right click on the person and look at their, look at the things that they have posted themselves, not things that they've replied or, you know, that co- that they've copied, but, but just their original posts. And that kind of gives me an idea of who they are. And is it, is it really somebody that I want to interact with or invite as a friend or whatever? I'll, I'll throw out that. I, I think that it's kind of censorship to,
4: uh, to use an algorithm to steer people this way or that way based on arbitrary preferences, like whether or not they've tweeted, uh, links to other social media platforms, um, you know, I mean, pretty much everything I do as a writer is to try to link people from one platform to another So that the long-form content and the short-form content kind of work together um, and, and I, I really, uh, you know, personally, I, I left Facebook in 2020 over an issue where they were centering all of the Medium posts that I was sharing um, You know, it just, it, it made me so mad that I actually left the platform <laughs> And, and I'm, I've been close to that with Twitter a number of times um, but I keep coming back because I, I like the social graph that I have access to here as a user, um, you know, and, and I'm, you know, beyond uh, OK with just blocking anything that doesn't immediately resonate. So, so I'm kind of modifying and manipulating the algorithm myself in return as I go. Uh, but I, I will say that, that it, it does strike me as being like tantamount to censorship. If you say uh, based on this arbitrary rule, you don't you don't get you know reach anymore that you would have otherwise gotten.
1: Well, I, I can jump in here a little bit and talk about um, my approach to Twitter and what I do. Um, and so because I joined 100 years ago and um, was just acting as a writer in the traditional sense, <laughs> Odd Writings is laughing at me, <laughs> um, I spend a lot of time trying to network and connect with writers who are um, trying to be published, getting published, working on that process. And, um, what I did when I came back generally in 2021 to join the web three conversation, um, I, I jumped in and started doing the same kind of things that I was doing way back when, and talking to traditional writers. And there's a, there's a thing that they do is called a writer's lift where that's the hashtag that they use. And then they share their books. And then everybody who goes in, um, retweets, follows them, connects with them. And, um, it's hardly ever, every once in a while I'll get in and like, look at the hashtag writers lift and I'll go through and I'm like, there really isn't anybody that I'm not already following. There really isn't anybody who's not already following me. Um, and so, I try I try to utilize that piece to engage followers because I really want writers to follow me and see what we're doing here in Web3 so that we can start moving people from the traditional sense over into the Web3, you know, have them maybe walk along the fence line, do a little Web2, do a little Web3 together like that. And that's really um, my approach. And of course I always get to meet some new lovely people and I really enjoy doing that. And so, um, and then I do a lot of good mornings. I I do a lot of GMs and I've met some amazing people that way. And so that's really my approach. I don't, I don't try to it's too much. Like I I have to have limits on on how much I spend on on X or Facebook or Instagram or TikTok or Pinterest or whatever because there's so many places to go and share your stuff. And so, yeah, that's my approach.
3: Can I jump in really quick on this uh it annoyed me uh how bad I was at social, so I done a couple of experiments um with uh, writers that I consult with to kind of see if I could boost them. And one writer, I did, pulled all, pulled out all the stops. I did promos. I did paid um, token launches. I put like a budget for rewards for people who repost. I did daily quizzes. I did so many things. And to be quite honest, we hit 2,000 view uh, followers on Twitter in like, two months, which was pretty crazy. And it was like quality follows uh, about half of them. Um, And I was like, all right, that was a success. But the effort to reward ratio, I don't know if it always works out. (laughs) Like, is the goal just getting numbers or is it like Rihanna said, building, meeting new people and building quality relationships? Um, I think that's a totally different story.
5: Yeah, I, I tried something similar on Facebook various years ago. Um, they, you know, it's it's. I had I I, I would I would write. Uh, this was before I was doing the NFTs. I would I would write uh, just normal poetry books and then and self publish them on on Amazon and, and whatnot. And then I would pay for advertising on Facebook and say, "Oh, look, you know, here's here's this book, blah blah blah." And so I would get I, I would get a good number of followers on on Facebook. Um, but then later on. Uh, Facebook got angry with me because they claimed that I had broken some rule, and of course, it's one of these things where they don't tell you what rule you've broken; they just say you've broken the rule, and they give you the terms and conditions. And so, it's up to you to figure out. Well, what did I? You know, what did I do? So, so they 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 discontinued my advertisers account, but they kept my normal account. And now, I don't know. It turns out that all those people that I gained, if I post something on my Facebook page, there's like nothing. It's like it's like this crickets. And so, I don't know. If the people that were that originally responded to those ads were actually kind of like fakeish accounts or maybe not real accounts that Facebook was just throwing at me, or if Facebook is doing their censorship thing because I'm a bad person and broke this thing and they're putting me way down on the list of uh, you know postings or whatever, but uh, I guess that kind of ties in with the other things we were talking about. I just wanted to throw that out
2: if I could rip on that just a little bit, you know, uh, you know, you reminded me of uh, this, this book I, re- I read in college and it was mandatory reading, but it was called uh, um, All in Startup. And one of, the, one of the core things they talk about is vanity metrics. Now, you can sit in a board meeting, you know, being somebody who, who works in a more corporate-like structure and say to your blue, blue in the face, you know, these interactions, these shares, these likes, it's all vanity metrics. Ultimately, it comes down to what are you trying to accomplish? And then, if you can't manifest that down to something like sales, something like a uh, more tangible community engagement metric, then you know, really, all of social media is just kind of you know scream, screaming into the void and hoping somebody hears you. So, you know, I, I thought I thought that was interesting. You know, the tidbit you brought. You know, okay, you know, how many legitimate. Followers, do followers do I have? And then when, um, you know, then when my advertiser account is is disabled, uh, am I am I still seeing the return that I had when when I was actually putting an monetary investment in that. And I think that's something we all should remember, you know, before we get too upset. Because I mean, I'll be honest, I'm one of those kind of like Rihanna uh, implied the the scarce user of social media. And almost every time I've made a, you know, made a guided purchase on social media these days, it's all been paid advertisements. So, I mean, unfortunately, I think that's the environment we're stuck in right now.
4: Well, it's so funny to me because everybody critiques Web3 and says it's uh, over-financialized and stuff. And then yet, you know, here we are on social media. Why are we here to meet interesting people? And yet... Because we're not orienting our activity in a financially primary enough way, uh, we're getting censored by the algorithm. I mean, it's just, it's so funny to me. Like, I I really think that, uh, you know, the, the algorithm that Pagedow was founded to fight with on Amazon you know, it's, it's like basically being replicated to Twitter now, you know, like I can't go out and engagement farm because I feel like if I do, all the intellectuals that follow me will like quit caring what I have to say because I won't be contributing the conversations that they're part of anymore, you know, and, and so like the purpose that I'm here is, uh, is being defeated by the, the people that own the platform now.
2: You're getting all kinds of good emojis on that and spot on so but since it doesn't make it into the audio version, I want to give you a big one hundred percent thumbs up five stars you you hit the nail on the head right there yeah that's
0: so frustrating i mean that's that is basically the definition of we are driving a train as fast as we can to the or we're riding a train I should say as fast as it can go to the lowest common denominator and it is so frustrating when you want to elevate the com conversation when you want to be talking you want to be bringing big ideas to the masses not bringing small ideas to the the, the bigger groups I, I don't know quite how to say that but dylan you did nail it with that and that's a good transition the world is a fucked up place <laughs> okay so uh for those who are listening on apple podcasts or also on youtube uh if you look up You can't, but in the nest right now, uh, I've put a link to the world's largest, which is something I came across today. And if you guys have not looked at this, click on it, read that manifesto. It basically is talking about all of these things that we are talking about today, how the internet had certain promises. I mean, I'll just read you, um, and and they talk about, they're a venture-based startup, but they talk about... Their goal is to combine creative storytelling, community ownership, and software to unlock new types of experiences online and on-chain, which is kind of what we all wanted. But then they go off a little bit. They go, follow along, be part of a journey. Take a risk. Don't be a little bitch. This isn't Silicon Valley. Nothing's precious, not even our brand. We reflect the part of you that you're afraid of. Ask your joint on the carpet. Ignore all the rules. Kink shaming is not cool, unless that's your kink. And we'll make you feel uncomfortable. It's worth it. I mean, I just love this kind of like, you know, kind of rock star punk rock approach. I mean, it's sort of the the roots that I come from, you know, the like, hey, fuck you. We're, we're trying to save the world. And um, yeah, I don't know. But it feels like those voices have largely been silenced. But it's great to see a big brand that's actually co opting this voice. And hopefully, they're going to walk the walk, not just talk the talk. Have you guys looked at this? Have you had a chance to see it? Or what are some other things that you've seen that are, that are doing that aside from Mr. T. Dillon Daniel? Because we all know that he's doing it.
5: I'll have to take a look at it. I haven't, uh, nothing comes to mind really to my, to my addled brain. But uh, yeah, I'll have to take a look. I mean, one of the things that got me into
0: crypto and sort of like drove me down the rabbit hole was sort of this idea of, you know, giving your finger to the system, the financial system. You know, I marched in the WTO protests in Seattle. We shut that motherfucker down. Um, You know, I've taken part in other protests. I've been publishing, you know, for my entire life, essentially, things that, The system doesn't want to hear. And that's one of the reasons, one of the things that has brought us all here, what brought us together, is that VM, Vagabond Magazine, is a group of people with some of the most important voices in the space. Not just in publishing, not just in writing, but in living and in looking at alternatives, ways to go about your daily life. So what are some things I'm going to throw it to you, Rihanna. What are some things that a person can do to take back control from this big system that we're sort of all chattel slavery um, parts to at this point?
1: Oh goodness. Okay. So I think one of the biggest things that a person can do is solidify their knowledge of their own selves and what their own goals are and what their own spirit creates within them and then utilize that as their jumping off point. And so whatever it is that we each feel passionate about, whatever, whatever we each feel, each feel powerful about within our own selves, using that to create the foundation or the, the platform or whatever it is that we want to share with the world, because I can tell you out of all of the people that I've met and all of the people that I interact with, everyone has their own story that is powerful and impactful and using that will help someone else be able to use and, and create their own voice. Like Indie Fatigable, you were talking about the writer that you were helping um, that, was a first-time writer and they were trying to get down what they wanted to say, I bet you so much that that person had a story to tell that was powerful and impactful and just realizing that using that internal power is such a great, is such a great thing to do. And then once you jump into doing all of this, there are people around you can, who can help you. And so that's always my goal is, is I want to help people fulfill their need to share their story. And so that, that's what makes me feel powerful and like I'm contributing and um helping helping to ensure and I say it all the time helping to ensure that literature will be present in the future because it the I love the written word and I love writers and I love stories and that is where my passion lies and so I think capitalizing on that is the biggest and best way to do anything with your life
0: you see and that's why i love these people because i just threw that to riona morgan with no planning with no she had no clue that i was gonna go there and throw that to her but did you listen to that if you did go back and listen to that give it another listen because it's
4: amazing okay everybody else what do you think yo you know i gotta you know
2: dylan we lose
4: you um i think i muted somehow uh how far did i get <laughs> not
2: very far at all please continue
4: Okay, uh, so yeah, listen. Um, what Rihanna just said about preserving the diversity of like human voices in the face of these algorithms that just want to weight everything towards the lowest common denominator. Um, you know, it's really easy to, especially from like a data standpoint, like have kind of like this uh, this direction that's that's built into what you're doing that, that preserves um, what we could call the canon or like sort of the main line of, of thought. Um, at the expense of all of the outliers. And so there's a lot of outliers in the world, um, and in worldview ethics, in fact, um, I realized that I was kind of taking a slightly different take on the meaning of the word worldview uh, when I did my most recent review of uh, The Patterning Instinct by Jeremy Lent, uh, because uh, Dr. Lint actually uses the same term, but he uses it in a canonical sense. You know, uh, when he talks about the worldview, he's talking about society's worldview, which is uh, very different from the the sorts of worldviews that the individuals that make up that society tend to have. Um, and so, when I use the term worldview, I focus. Um, very deliberately on uh, a particular individual's hypothetical, you know, view of uh, what's going on around them. So, like, what they can see, what they can feel, you know, where they're at, like, kind of in space and time, and and it creates um, uh, it creates a different set of uh, deductions when you when you start with a, a different starting point. So, um, you know, if, if you find this interesting, please by all means uh, go read my essays, collect them, contribute to them. Much love to to all the fans out there. Um, we'll we'll keep doing this hard work of intellection and and you know we'll find a way to make it rewarding uh, so that more people can get involved and and you know participate like kind of in this big experiment.
3: You drop a word like intellection and the, the whole space goes quiet. <laughs> <laughs> ah, I like it so much. I like it so much. We all love the essays. Just shout out to Quest of Evolution also shout out to the process of experimentation that we've seen where people can collaborate on shared literary works. I can't say enough. I mean, Vagabond magazine itself is an example of collaboration of great minds. So just shout out to everybody making space for different minds to come together around the same goals and put that together. Cause that is like inherently powerful.
2: Uh, so yeah, I'll double down on that. Um, you know, that, that's uh one of the things that it's really easy for everybody to sit back and say different minds different opinions but um something i see here you know what i love about this group is that i always get brought to school whenever we're we're on these spaces and uh you know it's cool to have differing opinions and everybody treats each other here with respect so hard to follow up on on all the comments that are out here but you know, I love the real aspirational attitude that that's out there. You know, especially now that a lot of the financial speculation has uh, left the space. You know, personally, I would I would say that uh, my opinion on that is when you're looking for a uh, get which get rich quick scheme, um, and then you get burnt going out and you know screaming for more regulation. That, that that's not the way to, way to do this. You know, everything I hear you guys saying, you're talking about more freedom, you know, less censorship, more genuine community, and so I I think it's going to be important for those of us that are still playing in the space to differentiate what what's left after the uh, the, the financial extraction that's happened, and work harder to build what we're actually trying to uh, aspire to in the years coming forward. Okay,
0: speaking of aspirations, um, I've got to bring this up, Indy. Um, you and I were having a conversation yesterday about uh, some some interesting tech, some different things, and one of the things that you brought up that I thought was so cool, which like ties right into Web three and lifestyle in a way that we haven't seen yet, is AR NFTs. Um, I think we should talk about that a little bit. You want to dive into that? Uh, yeah.
3: I'm, well, I've been fascinated by AR forever. There's a, just, oh my God, really quickly. So much AR technology was tied to phone manufacturers because they have the gyroscopes in the phone that allow you to, and the accelerometers that allow you to do this stuff. And they also have really fast GPUs that let you do this stuff really quick. But an open standard got put on the web called WebXR and it allowed people to do VR and AR using the same Kind of language on the web that blew up and pr- proliferated options for doing AR. But the only caveat is that the person has to choose to enter VR or AR mode from the app that you're doing. So if you have a web page that has AR, you got to hit the button. Ooh, ER has his hand up. We have what six minutes? All right. So regardless, I've been making small little AR experiments on web pages for some time, and I'm like, I just haven't found like the perfect use case for um, tokenizing this. And I meant to make uh, my Naughty Monsters collection from last year AR able, but it didn't feel like the right thing to match the thing. Anyway, um, but that's the stack that we'll be working on, some WebXR uh, dynamic HTML pages that have the whole thing in the nft itself you don't need an external platform to view it because i really hate relying on external servers that could go down this is like literally my pet peeve um page down books will last forever no matter even if the page down server goes away um anyway uh, do you want to say more vagabond about the idea that you had
0: no, no, no. I just I just love the uh, bringing the AR and VR thing into um, into actually NFTs and, you know, having something in your wallet that allows you to see the real world um, in a different way. To me, is just so fascinating, you know, to be able to look at a brick wall and because you have a certain token, you're able to see something there that that other people can't see. It's like it's like being given superpowers. And I just I really love it. I, I can't quite get over Um, how many different directions that we could go with that. But I do want to respect uh, the space and the time. ER, you did have your hand up. What's up, man?
2: I, w- I was just taking a look at the time and uh, Indy just unpacked so many things I want to hear more about there. And I was like, dude, we got five minutes left. Uh, maybe we should go ahead and uh, put, a, put a pin here and say this is something we're going to come back to next week. Because honestly, I haven't really done much with augmented reality beyond Pokemon Go. So, And that's been a minute. Uh, I'd love to hear more and see what you guys are doing. I uh, think that'd be a good topic for next week. Sounds like a great place for us to start next week. That's for sure.
0: Um, okay, so why don't you guys just go through, uh, tell us, ER, this is, by the way, this is one of the reasons why you are such a perfect uh, managing editor, because that is exactly what we need, is someone to sometimes say, hey, we got five minutes, and this is too big a topic. So what do you guys want to share before we go? We got three minutes left. Uh, just go ahead and start. Riona, ER, uh, Odd Writings indefatigable. Dylan, what do you got?
1: I just want to say I hope everybody has a great week. And if you are interested in being part of Vagabond Magazine, please send me uh, an email. Please drop by VagabondMagazine.com. Hit that submit submission button and send some things our way. We would love to have you as a featured guest writer on Vagabond Magazine. And so much love, everybody. Until next time.
5: Now I'll just say that... Um... Uh, I'm, i um, i'm work, i'm working i'm working with uh trying to get the, the verse verse to do for us to do our little interview so that we can have a, an article for that in the in Bigbon magazine um that's i have that's kind of stalled a little bit because of other things they're doing so uh but i'm working on that and um also what i have on my pin tweet which is by the locomotive the my my project it's a it's a long poem And essentially, it's going to take me about three months to finish. So I think that's going to stick as my pin tweet for like a long time.
3: (laughs) I guess uh, I'll jump in. I'm working furiously on catching up on my ambitious uh, first uh, share for Vagabond Magazine. Uh, It's basically a blockchain technology map, uh, the style of Mercari research, which is this research is really hard to find. So I'm so excited to be able to share it with Vagabond Magazine readers um, you, it comprehensive information about everything that underpins the, the Web3 that we know and love is hard to get at in one place. And so I'm so proud to like be able to put it together and distill it and break it down and make it easy for people to
2: trade and share and sell <laughs> and collect. That's awesome. I'm not doing anything nearly as exciting. You know, I'm just sitting around consuming content, which I'll take the second to plug. If you have a Web3 book you would like us to review, please drop into our Discord and uh, throw something out there. I've been uh, pretty much out for various reasons for the last couple of weeks, and I'm running out of content to consume. So I would love to read your book. I'd love to get you a little bit of pu- uh, publicity. And uh, go ahead and drop us a line and see what we can do for you over at uh, Vagabond Magazine. That's a pretty good place for us to wrap up.
0: Uh, okay. So if you're not in the Discord, go join the Vagabond Magazine Discord. You'll see it up in our profile. Also, subscribe to the podcasts on Apple Podcasts. And join us tomorrow for the Web3 Writers Hour. It's where Cryptoversal Books, myself, Edward Carpenter, Rihanna Morgan, uh, hopefully E.R. Donaldson will be there, and Odd Writings, and, and the whole gang, and where we talk specifically about Web3 Writers and Web3 writing. So join us tomorrow. Hope you're having an awesome day. I don't know. That feels like a weird place to end. Should we? Should we end with something? How we I thought
3: there? it was good. It was really good. It was like, <laughs> hope you have an awesome day. We're, we're, there's nowhere else to go after that.
2: Yeah. <laughs> no. We'll, we'll we'll cut it there, Chris. We, we need taglines. You know, our, our sign-off lines. That's. <laughs> 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 I just felt
0: like I was lagging, so you know I like it. Maybe, we, maybe we'll cut it at, have an awesome day. All right, you guys, have a, have an awesome day.
1: Aloha. Take Aloha. Aloha.